Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights created by Peter Berg. I am Stacey Orstano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I am Derek Phillips, and I play Billy Riggins. Our assumption is, as always, that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already watched, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV because there will be spoilers on this podcast. And you guys, holiday seasons, we've got merch. That's right. So go check out our brand new website designed by Eleanor Carez, who is at Eleanor Carez on Instagram. Our website is www.cleareyesfullheartspod.com. Once again, that's cleareyesfullheartspod.com. And we've got all kinds of merchandise. We've got hats and hoodies and tank tops. And we don't have tank tops. Maybe we should get some tank tops. <laughs> There's some great stuff on there. So please check it out. I mean, you could cut up a t-shirt into a tank top if that's your, if that's your yeah. jam. Yeah, sure. Every few weeks, we're going to do an audience participation episode just to answer your questions. Email us anything you've ever wanted to know about us and the show at ClearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. Today, we're talking about season one, episode 14, Upping the Ante. It was written by Jason Gavin and directed by Allison Liddy Brown. Here we go with our synopsis. Coach Taylor struggles to prepare for the first postseason game while dealing with Smash's personal demons, and Tyra and Julie begin an unlikely friendship. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This episode is jam-packed with some incredible scenes, so let's get into the highlights. One thing that's fascinating about this, we just jump right into the deep end at the start of this episode. I mean, we're cooking burgers over at the Garrity's and then Jason and Buddy's argument about the merits of quad rugby is, well, to be frank, it's, it's intense. And as much as Buddy is a pain in the butt, I think he's actually right here. I mean, you don't have to be such a jerk about it, but Jason at this point has no job. He has no prospects. And then he drops the bomb that he and Lila are getting married. And at that point, all hell breaks loose. I mean, Buddy's so angry. He Leaves his burgers burning on the, the grill there and storms his side. Jason's lucky he didn't get a spatula upside the, the head in this one. I don't know about the buddies right here thing. Here's what I found so well-written and, and incredibly FNL about this scene. I've had a couple of moments in my life where I've been really angry with somebody and I've been saying things at them and then it blurts out the reason I'm actually angry at them and it isn't what I was talking about before. So it seems like he's upset with Jason and that Jason wants to be with his daughter and he calls quad rugby a hobby. But then he says the lawsuit. And I think that's where his underlying steam is coming from right now. It's that Jason and Jason's family are suing the Dylan Panthers. And like, that's the whole crux of his feelings. Yeah. Maybe. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I hadn't even thought about it that way when I originally watched it. But yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. And then also marry my teenage daughter. But there's that. And then, okay, so we're alive from Applebee's? Yeah, and here's a question. Who the hell is Ralph Jarrett? The announcer is Ralph Jarrett. And I just want to know what KPCQ, the home of the Dylan Panther football radio station, did with Slam and Sammy Meat. But anyway, yeah, they're they're live broadcasting from Applebee's regarding the playoffs. And no Sammy Meat. I know. But we do have Julie and Matt, and they're having an intriguing conversation about Julie wanting to join the school paper. And this is before Ralph, who the hell is Ralph, interrupts and calls Matt out to have an interview. And, and poor Julie is left by herself. And when Matt attempts to apologize, he's essentially kidnapped by the football team. Oh, nothing good happens when a Riggins comes and grabs Matt and 
puts him in his car. Is it possible that nothing good happens when you're grabbed by a Riggins? It is also possible. I do love that we don't we don't see where they go or what they do, do we? No. They just grab and go. We assume hijinks ensue, yeah. I guess. I'm thinking there is a cut there, maybe. Is it possible that that's like the rally girl scene later and they move that scene up in the episode? It's quite possible. Awesome. No, because then they steal them out of their beds and they're in PJs. Oh, that's right. That's right. I do feel like there may have been a scene that was cut, though. These kids have a lot of extracurricular activities at night. That's that's all I'm saying. Well, also that, and it also seems like their parents never worry about curfews, <laughs> except for Julie Taylor. It's the only one. Well, look at the parents in this town. She's Louise. Oh, dear God. We'll get into that. Yeah. But one cool thing that happens with, with this kidnapping of, of Matt Saracen <laughs> is that he leaves Julie by herself, basically, at the Applebee's. Well, he doesn't leave her, but he literally is kind of kidnapped mm. by Tim Riggins and the rest of the football team. And Julie's basically left without a ride. And about that time, Tyra comes walking out of the Applebee's and goes, I can give you a ride. And so now we've got a bonding situation about to happen between Julie and Tyra. And, and we've talked about this before, about how this show loves to take complete and total opposites and bring them together. And this is one of those moments. So Tyra says she can give her a ride, but she's got to swing by the landing strip first to pick you up. Just being a good sister. <laughs> I just can't. I, there's a scene that that didn't happen, but happened in my head when Julie meets Mindy outside the lightning strip for the first time and she must have just been completely silent. Yeah. I think Mindy would be a lot for sweet Julie Taylor. Uh, I'd, love, I'd love that scene. I know that we do at some point get Julie in the strip club. It, it, yeah. She does come to the strip club. Okay, then we've got so Smash is paying his dues. Smash on laundry duty. Yeah, a coach, he's still in deep dog do as, as far as we're concerned with uh, with coach. So he's coach has him folding towels. He's working hard to get back in coach's good graces after the whole steroid fiasco. And we still don't, as an audience, know if Smash is ever going to play again. Coach hasn't officially decided when he's going to let Smash back on the team. I love these coach Smash scenes. This is when... Mm -hmm. Coach is a great football coach, but he also can be this just wise sage. And they happen in these quiet, small scenes like the ones with Matt at the beginning. And now they happen a lot with Smash. That Coach Taylor, he's got some wisdom in that noggin. Mm -hmm. We find out Riggins apparently, of course, this makes total sense, got a speeding ticket, didn't pay it, and also didn't show up at court. So he has to have this judge is being incredibly lenient. I'm guessing because he's a Dylan Panther, that he's going <laughs> to let him off as long as he gets a parent to sign this piece of paper. We assume everything is okay because you, Billy, are in the courtroom and you'll sign the piece of paper and P.S. flirting with another girl. It's fine. I'll get over it. It's totally cool. Whatever. But then we find out that you are not the legal guardian of Tim. Yeah. So this was a fun scene to shoot, actually, because that girl that was in the courtroom, just FYI, Mindy, uh, the girl who was in the courtroom was just <laughs> in there as an extra. And I thought it'd be kind of a fun moment if while Tim was talking to this judge, I was like flirting with her so that I'm distracted. So I, I just that was just a little fun moment that I kind of threw in there because I thought, well, this might be cool. It works on so many levels, too, though, because you're like not that interested in what's happening to Tim. Like everything's going to be fine. And there's a cute girl. Yeah. I like I like your thought process there. I think I improv that. Let me just say I think I did because we'll get some writer on the show here and be like, you didn't improv that. I wrote that. I think I may have improv that. I could be wrong. Yeah. It wouldn't be the first time I've been wrong on this show. Or a collab with Allison Liddy Brown. I see that too. Yeah. And Allison Liddy Brown is the director on this episode who's amazing. We had some really good stuff together on this episode. I just love this moment because as I said, or as you said, that we find out that Billy's not the legal guardian here. And the other thing is that this now proposes the idea that Tim might have to go see dad. And Billy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So there's obviously, I mean, we already knew this, but there's a lot of bad blood between Billy and dad. 
And we still won't find out a ton about what that's about in this episode, but we'll have a little bit more of an idea. So the next scene we have, we cut to the the uh, clothing store in Dillon or a clothing store in Dillon. We see Tyra and Julie. I'm going to be honest with you. This relationship is a little bit scary. I'm a little worried for Julie because I feel like Tyra might be a little bit of a bad influence. If we find out that Buddy Garrity, meanwhile, is a regular at the strip club. I didn't know that. He's my number one customer. Yeah, Mindy's number one customer. So if you're jealous of the <laughs> chick in the courtroom, how do you think I feel about you and giving Buddy Garrity multiple lap dances. Interesting fact. I think we never, ever, ever talk about that ever again, that Buddy Garrity is my number one customer. <laughs> I don't think that's ever brought up again. But anyway, so Julie's trying on some lipstick and Tyra says, oh, that looks good on you. And Julie's like, oh, well, I don't have enough money for it. And Tyra just pockets the lipstick. And once again, it's like, oh boy, I, I don't know how I feel about this relationship. I like Tyra and I like Julie, but together I'm like... I love that we're still showing like Tyra, Tyra has a good heart and she wants big things and she has big dreams, but she's still also a Colette, man. Yeah. You can't you can't get rid of those rough edges so easily. So like, yeah, I'm going to pop this in my pocket. And it's so easy for her too. Yeah, a lot of great characters making really bad mistakes on this show. Next, we go to your house. And at the beginning of this scene, Tay opens up that fridge and I had a, a visceral reaction <laughs> to what I know that it smelled like at the time that he did that. I'm sure the crew was thrilled. Because as we've said before, the Riggins house, the fridge was disgusting. It, something died in there and I don't know what, oh, it's awful. <laughs> a couple of things died in there. Dreams died in Dreams there. Dreams went to die. It angers me in a way, but it is so incredibly Billy that he never either knew that he had to or he just never took the time to fill out the paperwork to become a legal guardian because in every other way, he is Tim's guardian. Yeah. And so it just, whew, Sign a piece of paper. This scene, I, I remember when we were shooting this and I just remember there was like this mother hen kind of vibe that I had. It was a really wonderful time to, to show just how much Billy does actually care about Tim. I even made it a physical point to like muss his hair up as he was walking out the door. I think we kind of said early on that it would be really difficult for Billy to say, I love you. So I don't think we ever hear Billy say, I love you, maybe in, in a final scene or maybe towards the end of, of season five or four, I think I might say, I love you, but he's not the type of guy who who that comes rolling trippingly off the tongue at the end of the scene you just say hey and you don't have anything left to say but you're like not quite ready to let tim go yet and you and he's like it's okay dude yeah and i think that hey is it's like a hey i love you but he can't say. Leading up to here, what did you guys know about your father? I mean, literally, I didn't know anything more than what we as an audience have learned up to this point. All I knew was what happens in this episode. I hadn't even seen the next episode yet. Dad and Billy don't like each other. We know that. And I don't know exactly what that was. We know dad had a, a drinking problem. And we know that the way I played it is dad's just a, a jerk and an ass. And... I don't want him around Tim. I don't want Tim getting hurt the way that I did. And so I think that that's, that's Billy's big thing is he's just trying to prevent his brother from getting hurt. And I think there may be a little bit of a fear that Tim may run off and, and stay with that. It kills me that even in that you guys don't actually even know where your dad lives. No. Like, it's not like you drive down there every other weekend and stay at his apartment or whatever. So all Tim has to drive down there is an address that was written on an old, it seems like an old card or a postcard. It was or a postcard that was hanging on the fridge and Billy literally pulls the postcard off. We don't even know where dad is. I mean, this is, this is the, this postcard is the last time we've heard from the guy. I think there's a fear that Billy has that Tim might rekindle some kind of relationship with dad and where does that leave Billy? Because really and truly, Tim's the only family Billy has. Aww.
him driving in his truck down this beautiful Texas highway, looking at the address, finds out he's not at that address, but I guess does some 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 super sleuthing and finds him on a golf course. I was confused about what. Yeah, he was he's doing on there. a municipal golf course. We don't know exactly where, but yeah, he's hustling guys. He's basically a golfer who's out there hustling gambling, the same way you would hustle in a pool hall. And so, yeah, Tim winds up meeting up with dad. The two of them go and, and sit down in the clubhouse at the golf course. It's really a beautiful scene, beautifully acted between Brett Cullen and, and Taylor Kitsch because the two of them are sitting there and there's a million things going on behind their looks. This scene really breaks my heart because Tim wants so badly to have some kind of connection with his dad. And he's just sitting there. He's this little kid right now and he's vulnerable. And it's one of the first times I think we've seen that kind of vulnerability in Tim. I mean, we see the brooding side of Tim. But there's something about it that this just reeks of he's a kid. Yeah, his dad even calls him Timmy, which is like never happened. Yeah, and there's a silence and an awkwardness between the two of these people that's palpable. And finally, Walt asks him if, if he can stay for a while. And Tim's eyes kind of light up because it's my dad wants me. And I think that at the end of the day, it's just a, a little kid who just wants to have a father. But this doesn't bode well. I, I think even as an audience, well. yeah, it's just an ominous feeling that, oh, no. We really want him connecting with this guy. There's something interesting in the casting that I found like Adrian Palicki and I don't necessarily look like sisters and you and Taylor Kitsch don't necessarily look like brothers. But the minute you put Brett Cullen in between the two of you, it absolutely looks like a family. And the minute you put Dana Wheeler Nicholson in between me and Annie, it looks like a family. Maybe I'm projecting, but to me, it's just stellar casting. I think you're right. And that's interesting because I hadn't thought about it that way. But yeah. Then this scene, I secretly as a Dallas girl, I love that Julie wants to go to an old 97s concert. They're a band that are from Dallas who made it huge. And there's still such a sense of pride in anybody from Texas or from Dallas when the old 97s are playing. It's like, they're, those are our guys. And for anyone outside of Texas, just FYI, every person in Texas will constantly remind you on a regular basis that anytime you're watching some kind of football game or a concert or a movie, they always go, hey, you know, so-and-so, he's from Texas. I don't know anyone else who does that. <laughs> I am sitting here literally wearing my UT hat right now being like, yeah, abs- oh, and a, a Dr. Pepper shirt. So I don't know if you guys know Dr. Pepper also from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, yo, listen, we're proud of our things. Dr. Pepper's from Waco, Texas. I, I'm, we're going to Google on this. I think the, like the real actual plan is in Fort Worth. Stacy, no, it, Dr. Pepper was invented in Waco, Texas. That's the big claim to fame in Waco, Texas. I know this because I went to school at Baylor University. We have a Dr. Pepper museum. Don't get me started on my Dr. Pepper knowledge, lady. Have you ever had an Irish Dr. Pepper? Get out of here. Ever... Like the ones they have in England? They're terrible. I have Sorry, people in Ireland. It's probably not filled with all kinds of good stuff like we have in the States, like it's corn syrup. It's completely terrible. High fructose corn syrup. So I find that reality is setting in for Lila in this scene with her and street in the truck about what it would actually mean to be married at this age and this young and these dreams that she had of her being a little bit older in college. And it's harsh what she's saying to Jason, but I think she's right. No, I think she's 100% right. And, and the thing that's really sad about this scene for me personally, as I watch it, is when the show starts, we see this confident man in Jason, this guy who's got the world by string. And you cut to this scene and he's literally grasping at straws here to just hold on to this relationship, to hold on to Lila. I think that's why he proposed to her. I think it's out of fear. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that worries me about this relationship with Lila. He's not 
proposing to her. He's not doing any of this stuff for any other reason than he's afraid of losing her. And that's never a reason to get married, in my opinion. I'm sorry, my my brain is still at the fact that there's a Dr. Pepper Museum and I want to go so badly. Well, you know who also runs the Dr. Pepper Museum right now? Who? Joey Oglesby, who played Guy Raston on Friday Night Lights, is like runs the Shut Dr. Pepper the Museum. Front door. Don't get me started on Dr. Pepper, lady. I know a lot about the subject. That's all I'm saying. Joey, send me some freaking Dr. Pepper is all I'm saying. Moving on. Matt Saracen says that he's excited because he's never been on TV before. But alas, Matt Saracen, you were on TV for a hot second and you choked. Here's a question. When when he was doing that interview, in the, uh, I don't know if it was the first episode or second episode when you say that he was on TV. Mm. Was that a TV yeah. interview or was it a radio interview? No, it was on camera. Was it? Okay. So I yeah. remember there was a camera and a big boom mic. So it was just for a minute. And he may be like, he didn't watch it, but we watched it through the eyes of the camera. I'm just saying the boy's been on TV. He wants to maybe forget that that happened. <laughs> maybe that's exactly what it is. As we said earlier in this episode, uh, the old 97s is the concert that they were they were planning on going to. But now that Matt's supposed to be doing this TV interview, he can't go to the concert with Julie. So he has to ask Julie to please look after grandma. But the most important thing in this scene is that when he's telling her, asking her to look after grandma, he calls her his girlfriend. <gasps> and the look on Julie's face at this point, her eyes just light up and it's, spectacular. I mean, it's a, it's a great moment because then she goes, did you just call me your girlfriend? And then they had this like real flirty thing back and forth. I love these two. I really do. And also just the fact that she's so okay with like, she was so excited to go to this concert and now she can't. And she's like, no, I totally get it. It's okay. Listen, I am a grown woman and I have friends in relationships that are not nearly half as mature and lovely as Matt and Julie are. I hear you. Then we cut to another fun scene. Actually, at this point, it's not bad. It's not, it's not bad. Tim and dad are bowling, but I'm sitting here as Billy Riggins watching this thinking, if you hurt my brother, I'm going to kill you. Once again, Brett, Brett Cullen and Taylor Kitsch are doing a, a great job in these scenes because on the surface, just watching this, this is just a father and son bowling together. But we as an audience also know that the subtext here is thick as a chainsaw. I mean, that's thick. Chainsaws are thick. I was going to say the subtext here is so thick you could cut it with a chainsaw. It helps if, <laughs> if you can speak properly. But yeah, it's there's just a, all, all this tension watching these two. There's something ominous about how nice Walt is being too. And so open yeah. and and accepting. And it's like, it, it seems sweet, but why does it, I don't know. Why does it feel so uneven? I feel very shaky yeah. about it. It's like watching a person walk across a frozen lake. You're like, you know that it's going to crack at some point in time. Okay. The Eric Taylor show. Oh, dear God, no. This is so awkward. Who thought this was a good idea? You know, what's funny is that when I was watching this, I go, this reminds me of when Steve approached me to do this podcast. <laughs> I'm not kidding because I'm watching it. And, and Coach, at one point, the producer comes over to him and he says, just, just talk about football. And Coach says, what do you mean talk about football? Anything, anything specific? And he says... <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe you can ask him some questions, Sarah. So, but like, I'm sitting there and I know exactly what coach is going through because when I started this podcast, was put in this position of, I, I've never done a podcast before. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I supposed to talk about? Who, what, 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 what do we talk about every episode? Steve, our producer was like, just talk about the show. And I'm like, what do you mean talk about the show? Where do I talk <laughs> about the show? How am I supposed to talk about the show? What do I do? We watch? How do I? And I was losing my mind. I had basically what would amount to, I think, is a, a panic attack because I yes. am in a uh, new- I'll, I'll concur. 
<laughs> it's a new medium. I feel like at this point, I'm getting better. You are. And also, thank God people can't see us. No, <laughs> at least be... it's just our voices. Oh, boy. Yeah, because early on, I was uh, I was a little bit of a mess when we started this thing. But yeah, Coach is essentially out of his element the same way that I was. He's bumping into the boom mic. He's getting pissed off at, at Saris, and he's getting pissed off at the producers. He's angry at Buddy. He doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing here. Doesn't know what he's supposed to be talking about. And then finally, this producer, as I said, says, why don't you just, Matt, why don't you just ask him a question? And so Matt, of course, says, so coach, everyone in town wants to know, is Smash going to play this week? And of course, (laughs) the expression on coach's face is like, I'm going to reach across the dais and strangle Matt. I I love this scene. It's great. I think Matt was being completely sincere in his question too. Yeah, but it's just, you don't ask that on air. It's like, that's the question you don't. There's also a tiny cutaway at the end where Buddy is giggling and I desperately want to know if that was a a Brad choice or if the camera just caught Brad Leland giggling because it's gold. It's like a millisecond of gold. As Coach is leaving the studio, Buddy says, good job. And Coach looks like he could stare daggers into Buddy Garrity. Just a a fun scene, a little bit of levity there. And oddly enough, I don't think, I think that was the beginning and the end of the Eric Taylor show. I don't think I mean, they made a background and everything. Yeah, but do we ever have the Eric Taylor show again? Or no, is this... but I wish it was because I want to write a jingle for it. <laughs> the Eric Taylor show. Julie, taking care of Grandma Searson, invites a friend over. Sure. It's Tyra. This trio (laughs) makes my heart happy. It's one of my favorite scenes in the show. I mean, just in general. I don't know what they were thinking or who thought this was a good idea, but man, it really is a great idea. We got Tyra painting grandma's toenails. That's an incredibly intimate thing to do, though, that I loved that Tyra was doing that. It's an intimate thing to touch somebody's feet. It's intimate, but it's also like so nonchalant. Like they're sipping one. Girly. Like a slumber party. Yeah, it's a slumber party, like spa day for Grandma (laughs) Saracen. And they're sucking down, I'm sure, I don't know where the wine came from. Maybe it was remnants left over in the Saracen household or what. But yeah, it's just a a great scene. And and once again, one of those moments on Friday Night Lights, there's just odd pairings that you're like, oh, who would have thought? It's the guy who put cantaloupe and prosciutto together. Good on you. Would have never thought of it myself. I love cantaloupe and prosciutto. It seems to me that Brian Smash Williams has one level that he is always at. And on a scale of one to 10, it's a 20. No matter what that kid is doing, he is doing it past any ability that any teenager should have. There's no stop. There's no rest. There's no... Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before as well, the, the the amount of pressure that Smash is under to succeed. And man, these scenes are always, these scenes with him and Karina are really hard to watch. Karina being Mama Smash, but Liz Michael and him just have such a, a, a great dynamic together. But yeah, Smash has just finished his workout and he's, he's burning the candle at both ends. And it looks like he's on the point of having a nervous breakdown, similar to the nervous breakdown I had when I was asked to do this podcast. I get it, Smash. You're preaching the choir, baby. I have a question for you as an actor. Mm-hmm. What do you think your your father, Walt, was talking about when he said that you saw things he wished you didn't see? And Tim was like, I was there too. I was 10. So that would have made you, what, like 16? 
15, 17, 18? Yeah, I think we said 15 or 16. I think I'm supposed to be 25 at the start of the show. and he's like 17. So I probably would have been six or seven years older than Tim, maybe. So what do you think it is that you saw that dad is like, can't get over? I mean, in my head, it was everything. It was dad drunk. It was dad slurring. It was dad cursing. It was dad fighting. It was dad punching. To be cliche, it was everything you can think of. We still don't know, and we never know whatever happened to the Riggins' mom, but the only description is that she was a chain smoker. She would drink too much and chain smoke. And so I just have this visual image of it being just a completely and totally toxic upbringing that these two kids saw awful, awful things from his father. And also Walt says he's been sober for six weeks now, and there he is drinking beers with him by the campfire. Sobriety didn't last too long, did it? So it's another one of those things. The, the, the writers do such a wonderful job of creating this tension here. As I said before, it's just a couple of family members sitting around a campfire, but we know that there's a powder keg waiting to explode underneath all this. And, and it eventually does come to a head on the golf course. Tim and dad make a bet, and dad says, if dad wins, Tim says he, he won't tell his Conway Twitty-loving ex-girlfriend Lydia where he's living. Mm-hmm. And if Tim wins, dad has to come to his playoff game. But as this golf game progresses, so does the tension. Walt eventually does wind up winning and he wins the bet, but it turns into a really, really nasty moment. Because at the end of the day, all all that Tim wanted, all that this kid really wants is for his dad to come watch him play football. And the fact that he had to even make this bet with his dad to get him to come is really kind of sad. It's not that he doesn't. He obviously wants to see his son play football. He can't go back to Dylan. There is something in Dylan. Like he did something so bad that he won't even set foot in the town. And I'm desperate to know his backstory, which like good on him for making me so invested in your character. I don't even know that it's any one thing. I think probably owes money. He's probably pissed off 90% of the people that live there. His own son, Billy, doesn't ever want to see him again. Oh, that's interesting. I think that this man left because he was basically run out of town. What if he owes money to Buddy Gary? I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but this guy is, he's a bad dude. Side note, correct me if I'm wrong. We have both. I've seen Taylor Kitsch play golf. He's exceptional at it. But Taylor Kitsch is right-handed and he plays golf lefty because of how he played hockey. Is that correct? Yeah, so it's weird, but yes, I guess it's normal in hockey. Left is his dominant hand, but he's right-handed. Yes, he's he's right-handed, but he definitely swings a golf club lefty, and that would mean he swings a baseball bat lefty. And he's good at, like, very good at both of them. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a really, really good hockey player. He's a good golfer. He's a, I thought he was a great, he's, he shocked me golfing. Brett Cullen's a great yeah. golfer, too. At, at that golf charity is where I saw all these people play. He's got a great swing, but you can definitely tell that there's a hockey vibe to it because it's just about crushing the ball. Smashing it! Yeah. One of the things at the end of this scene, Tim says Billy was right, that he shouldn't have come there in the first place. And I just want to let everyone know that Billy was right. Thank you. Okay. Once. For once, Billy was right. Oh, no, actually, I think mm-hmm. that's the second time I've said that. In 14 know. episodes, it's the second time that I have said that. Come on right. now. Right after this scene, we cut right over to the practice field where Coach has been once again seeing Coach just ride and smash. He gets up in his face at one point, and it looks honestly like smash is about to break. And after practice, Tammy and Coach are walking into the house, and she and, and Coach are talking about smash once again. And Tammy says, honey, I think you need to back up off him a little bit. She tells him he's been too hard on him and that it's causing smash to, to lose his passion and his confidence. And it's another one of those moments where Tammy's right, because Tammy's always right. Always. Yeah, always. So uh, for those of you keeping score at home, that's 200 points for Tammy and zero points for the rest of Actually, that's 200 points for Tammy. (laughs) 
Oh, One God. point for Billy Riggins, because Billy Riggins was right about something here. <laughs> you guys, this is what I deal with all the time, just yes. so you know. Oh, and FYI, Stacy, it's Thursday night in Dillon, Texas. And you know what that mm-hmm. means, right? Huh? Huh? Uh, Rally girl calendar party for char- charity? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure the money just goes back into football. All right. You grew up in Texas. Is this a thing? Is this a Texas thing? The rally girl calendar party thing? I, I'm going to tell you quite honestly, that I was a massive theater geek. And so I'm going to say maybe, and I didn't know about it, but quite honestly, (laughs) no, it is not. We did not have, I went to one of the biggest high schools in the state of Texas. We did not have rally Mm -hmm. girls. We did not have- Oh, you didn't have rally girls. No rally girls. We had a booster club and like football meant a lot to the city, but it wasn't quite like that. (laughs) I'm from Miami. So I went to this like super baseball high school. We won the national championship in 94. And I want to say again in like 97 or 98 or something like that. But like I went to high school with Alex Rodriguez, who you guys probably know. But I feel like we had rally girls for the baseball players. Makes sense if that's your sport. Is there a calendar out there somewhere with you and Alex Rodriguez? Not me. No, I, <laughs> I stopped playing baseball my sophomore year of high school. I realized pretty early on uh, that there was no chance for me to play. So as we said, it's Thursday night in Dillon. All the rally girls come and pick up all the football players. They have this big, huge party where they're imbibing on all types of libations and and whatever else. There's a hot tub and they're, the football players are scantily clad. The rally girls are scantily clad. This is some kind of charity event thing, a calendar charity event. But Julie finds out that Matt was there. And Julie finds out that Matt was there and is kind of scantily clad. And it's it becomes a point of contention between the two of them. I think he could have gotten away with it if he was like, actually, she says, what did you do last night? And he was like, look, they came and kidnapped me and they made me do this. But no, he lies. And like, yeah. Obviously, Julie's going to find out about it. The whole school's going to find out about it. Maddie. Oh, Maddie, Maddie, Maddie. Which takes us to our next scene, which is Coach finally taking Tammy's advice. And he has a one-on-one with Smash over at Smash's house. This was a really beautiful scene. There's a group of little kids that are outside playing football outside of Smash's house. And Coach and Smash are sitting on the front steps. And Coach says, sometimes we take this so seriously that we we lose track of exactly why it is that we love this damn game so much. Again, this Coach Smash stuff. He also says to Smash, if you want to fly solo, go run track. Which like, this is true. This is a team sport, buddy. And you need to get with us. But then I was destroyed. I was completely destroyed by Coach just hopping up and them creating two teams and playing football with the kids. I thought it was yeah. so lovely. So, Stacy, now we cut over to the courthouse. This is another great little scene right here with Coach. We cut over the courthouse where the street lawsuit is basically in full effect. And uh, Coach and Street are waiting outside of the actual courtroom and they make eye contact and gotta love coach. He decides that the lawsuit, whether it's going or not, he's going to take this time to have a little combo with Street regarding his marriage proposal to Lila. Even in the middle of a lawsuit, coach is still going to find the time to have a teachable moment with a former player. He's just a stand-up guy. Stand-up I love dude. him. He's also keeping his word to Buddy because Buddy asked him to go have a talk about marriage and stuff with Street. Like no matter what, mm-hmm. Coach is always kind of doing the right thing. He he might yeah. be rough about it or rough around the edges, but a dude is a man of his word. I get why people love Coach Taylor so much. I get it now, guys. <laughs> 14 episodes Do you love in Coach and Taylor I get more it. than Voodoo now? Oh, that's like apples and oranges. Okay, we're not even going there. 
because guess what, Stacey? It is Friday night in Dillon, Texas. Uh, coach calls Smash into the office and he lets him know he's going to start him at tailback that night. We then cut the coach and the rest of the Dillon Panther kids in the locker room. Smash is back to being Smash. He's getting the players all hyped. We cut to the fans and then the song I remember from the band Suicide starts to ratchet up underneath. The Panthers are about to take the field and Billy grabs Tim as the Panthers are racing out of the locker room and Billy tells him, dad's here. We cut over to dad. We see dad's face. We see Billy's face. And it's just like, whoa. And this song, I encourage you guys to go listen to this song again, because I don't even know how to describe it. it, it it's almost uh, cacophonous the way it, mm. it's, uh, there's a cacophony of noise. Yeah. It. It's just buzzing in the background. Two things about this. You're grabbing your brother as he's running onto the field and saying, I need another ticket. And like, what's he supposed to do? Pull it out of his pads? Where's that ticket coming from? The symbolism of you and Tim on one side and your dad on the other, and there's an actual fence in between the two of you hit me in the gut. It was gorgeous. This whole scene, I think, is just a testament to Allison Liddy Brown. Yes. She crushes it because it's a really simple scene when you think about it. But the music, it's the quick cuts back and forth between the fans and the players in the stadium hyping up and the tension's just so high in this moment. Another really cool thing about this moment for me as an actor, one of my best friends, a guy named Chris Moreno, happened to be in town when we were shooting this scene. Chris. Yeah, he's good. He's a good dude. Well, earlier that year, Chris Moreno had gotten married and I had missed his wedding because I was working. Chris happened to be in town this week and came while we were shooting this scene on Friday Night Lights, and he was in town. And he was always, he was never like mad mad at me, but he was upset that I wasn't able to make his wedding. And when he showed up, he goes, oh, I had no clue that this is what, because we had on that day, that one shot, I think probably about 400 background actors. You don't get to as an actor, unfortunately, just say, oh, I need Tuesday off. It doesn't work that way. And I think that, when he saw that, it was like, oh, I get it now. So that was kind of a, a nice little moment. But it was also really cool because, you know, I've known Chris since I was 14 years old. And to have one of your close friends on set in this moment and have him watch that moment was just, it's its always a special moment for me and it always will be because it kind of was like, uh, hey, man, I'm, I'm getting to, to live my dream here. Guys, that's it for episode 14. But join us next time when we unpack episode 15 with our amazing special guest, Kevin Rankin, a.k.a. Herc, everyone's favorite smartass on wheels. But until then, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't, can't lose. lose. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to clearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. Find us on social media. I'm Stacey Oristano on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram. And check out our websites, ClearEyesFullHeartsPod.com, Cadence13.com, and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.